You are now checked in to Stand Up New York Labs. Oh, yeah. I'm on size nothing and back to talk. R.I.R. badges and their process wall. Hey everybody, welcome back to Free Speech. We're an internet video podcast thing that's at Stand Up New York Labs. And uh, I like in the introductions to screw them up as much as possible to make the people at home feel comfortable. Sometimes when you intro a show too well, the people at home see you as superhuman and it intimidates them. So that's why I made all those mistakes. Oh, I'd hardly consider myself that. I think you are. Well, thank you. I would like to introduce my guest here, Justine Tunney, right? Yes, that's Pronounced correct. Um, she is a uh, uh, software engineer for a big tech company that shall mm-hmm. remain nameless. And she's also a bit of an enfant terrible in the social media scene who's got a controversial past. She says alarming things and gets pilloried for them. And uh, that's what first attracted me to her uh, when I got in shit for being a transphobe. She uh, stood up for me despite disagreeing with everything I said and wrote yes, a big for defense. Yes, how, how, how would I uh, address you? Are you a, a trans person? Do I just call you a woman? Do I? Um, I'm a trans woman with a space in between. Trans woman so, with a space in between. Yeah, I'm a woman and, I'm also, and I happen to be trans. Oh, okay. Although it's something I typically don't advertise. Oh, right. Sorry. I shouldn't even have brought it up. Oh, no. It's perfectly fine. Okay. I mean, it's the topic of conversation considering your essay. <laughs> yes. Well, we're inevitably going to get there. Um, and I'm sure you're inevitably going to get there every time you do an interview with someone. But before we go there, uh, and I have a good segue to get there, I want to find out from someone who understands what the fuck Gamergate is. Oh. <laughs> because... When I hear of adults playing video games, I become, I'm filled with such disdain that I can't go past it. But it's time we all know what it is because it keeps coming up. Well, Gamergate is such an interesting movement in my opinion. It's really one of the first times that I've seen, at least, that people have reacted to sort of a mar- mar- uh, cultural Marxist coup of a subculture right. and actually were successful. Um, basically what happened was... Um, um, people like Anita Sarkeesian and various other media agencies like Gawker, um, when it started to get interesting, on a single day, um, 10 separate gaming journalism magazines like um, from these various different companies all declared that gamers are dead. That they, gamers are dead. Yeah, like the subculture is over. It's too evil. It's too misogynistic. It's too sexist. It's going to go. And so, But that's kind of a leap. You, to say that a group of people are a certain are a bunch of bigots doesn't necessarily follow that they're doomed. Yes, but that's what the media wanted. Okay. Um, and you know this naturally perturbed all you know gamers because they were their readers. I mean, it's like what what sort of like media organization just like says we hate you? Yeah, it's customer. like ESPN saying hockey players are dead. Yes, they're over. <laughs> but um. Yeah, so there was a big movement. Um, everybody was really upset, and a big movement sort of formed in doing letter writing and talk going after their advertisers, which was absolutely brilliant. Like, it's a great tactic if you want to fight back against the media that not many people realize. And through doing this, they were actually able to draw blood on, you know, media giants like Gawker. 
um, a Gawker executive, like a month after, a month or two into Gamergate, said that the movement had cost them a million dollars worth of ad revenue. Wow. So where did they get this assumption? And the, the, the critique, the criticism was people who play video games are sexist and homophobic. Did racists get in there? Um, I'm sure it's been thrown around. But the, the big ones were sexist, mm-hmm. mostly, and then homophobic was soon after. And why was that? Well, there's always been a stereotype of gamers that it's uh, young men. Yeah, but it, it is. I mean, young mm-hmm. men like video games more than girls. That's true. When I was a kid, we'd play in arcades, and it was 99% dudes in there. Mm-hmm. Well, a, a lot of it is because, um, you know, boys will be boys, and gamers... Um, the whole gaming industry has never really been politicized. Right. It's just been about like creating stories, and a lot of the people who build these things are men, and they like portray women the way men like, and which are being targeted towards men. And a lot of feminists think this is a problem. So people like Nita Sarkeesian, for instance, um, she started this whole like YouTube video series where she talks about how all, all the things in video games regarding women are evil and horrible. Um, it, it's called, like, Tropes Against Women. And if you watch these videos that Anita Sarkeesian makes, um, I think what's really interesting is, to me at least, they seem profoundly anti-woman. And the reason for that is, um, just to give you an example off the top of my head, she'll... she'll l- take scenes of all these women in video games who are scantily dressed and she'll say these are sex objects and it's like (laughs) is that really how you think about women right yeah and what's the matter with being a sex object isn't that what we're going for um well it it really depends like you look at women on a girl's night out right Mm -hmm. they've got a karaoke room to themselves and they're all dressed like whores with stilettos on because they love it and it's fun to dress like that well, yeah, w- women, general, straight women generally want to be desired by men. It's yes. a perfectly natural Well, look know, how mad impulse. they get when they become invisible when they're 40. <laughs> you know, it's like the only thing they hate more than catcalls is the day they stop. Oh, yes. Well, here's, here's what I don't understand about all this. If you take a chimpanzee, right? You take a male and a female chim- chimpanzee. And this is, there's studies that have been done several times over decades, right? And they notice time and time again, the female chimp likes to play with stuffed animals and the male chimp likes to play with little toy trucks and sticks and stuff. He likes to control stuff from far away. I've noticed that with my own kids, even as babies, the boys like sticks and long things. They can control something over there. Whereas the girls like more close, you know, um, nurturing things. Mm Mm-hmm. So over the course of a boy's and a girl's life, they develop different interests, and boys want to sit there with one little tiny thing in their hand and blow up a fucking building way over there. You know, that's fun. Go up, jump off the building, fucking chop a horse's head off, and then, you know, blow up a car. Uh, And if there's chicks in there, they want the chicks to be hyperbolic exaggerations of what they're attracted to. So if she has tits, she has huge tits, and they're poking out. It's like Barbie versus He-Man dolls. They, they're attracted to an exaggeration of, of what's innately inside of them. Yeah, that, that's the way it is in a lot of the animal kingdom. Although feminists would retort and talk about the bonobos, which have this uh, strange oh, yeah. matriarchal culture right. where they just have sex all the time with everybody, basically. Right. 
And there's no like bond between like, you know, baby Bonobos and Bonobo fathers. It's much more communal. And I think that's the direction that feminists want our society to move in. Oh, Lord. Can you? Oh, we already did that. Didn't we do that with pagans when we were having (laughs) babies sacrificed and burned alive? I think there's this myth that women would be really cool and sweet if they took over the world. But it, it hasn't gone that way in the past. Oh, yeah. The pagans. The pagans were very interesting. Like, I don't think a lot of people realize that before Christianity came to the West, like, um, in places like Greek, um, homosexual pedophilia was the norm. It was the preferred way of, like, having sex in a lot of these societies. Right, yeah. Well, that reminds me of that movie... uh, uh, Ghost World, the Dan Klaus movie, where this guy's getting kicked out of the Seven Eleven, and uh, it's he's a Greek owner of the of the the store, and he goes, "We invented democracy," to the guy with the mullet, and he yells back, "Yeah, you also invented fags." <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, to get back to this this assumption that video games have to equally represent both sides. I find that to be sexist because it's saying that women are only empowered if they're men. And I was just watching a movie the other night with my kids, Big Hero 6, and there's a big dumb man driving the car in a chase, and then the little cool kick-ass chick, chewing gum, brassy broad, kicks him out of the driver's seat and gets in, and that's how they escape the monster when she's driving. And it's based on the assumption that we need kick-ass role models for women, but I don't see that as an asset, you know? First of all, we're totally ignoring the fact that they can create life. That's been trivialized to nothing. So now they have to do everything a man does until you're saying that everything that is innately feminine sucks. And they also forget that there are games marketed to women. Like Like what? Like Facebook games, like The Sims. The Sims was a huge one. Like back in like 10 years ago when that game came out, like every woman loved that game. Yeah. And the market, like if there is a demand for games that appeal to women, the market creates it. Like what feminists, feminists don't want games for women. They want to destroy the culture of male gaming. They want male games to be more feminized and to be a vessel for their political message. Well, I think you touched on something that's that's going on right now where there's a war on masculinity. And people always laugh that off, like the war on Christmas, because they say, well, it's Christmas is still everywhere, so there can't be a war on it. You don't necessarily have to be winning for there to be a war on something. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the way boys are treated in school, their marks are plummeting now because behavior is included in their grades and they're rambunctious. And that's punished. And that hurts their academic marks. And, you know, a boy will draw someone beheading, uh, a pirate beheading another guy. And the parents are called into school to, to fix that problem. And what you're fixing is masculinity. And you also see it with Dove Charney at American Apparel and Terry Richardson and even Fred Armisen. These guys have women lining up to fuck them. They occasionally oblige. And Terry gets called a rapist. Dove gets slapped with a quarter of a billion dollar lawsuit. Like those two women, Irene Morales and Kimbra Lowe, together they wanted $250 million. And I'm like, what did he do to you? Take your skin off in front of your whole family? What gets $250 million? Mm-hmm. Did he eat your eyes? That's a lot of fucking money. It is. And Fred Armisen, there was an article recently, he's getting a reputation. And it, it, the whole article just said he goes out with these girls and then he doesn't marry them. Like he dumps them. Yeah, it's called being a heartbreaker, a cad. Well, one question I would ask is, why do men allow this to happen? 
What do you mean? What, what could Terry Richardson have done? Um, no, I was talking more broadly with the culture. Oh, well, yeah. What do we do, though? I mean, tweet about it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but, like, um, one interesting thing, this is an insight that just came to me, like, a few weeks ago, is that with all the rape stuff, like, mm-hmm. um, the, the laws are definitely, like, shifting in the favor of women. And I think a lot of it is sort of scaring people away from having sex. Yeah. And sometimes I honestly suspect that this is false flag feminism, that conservatives, like conservatives who want to ban fornication, are putting out a feminist message to make and changing the laws to make everybody afraid to do it. I think you're onto something there, but I think it's liberals are genetically Puritans. I mean, mm-hmm. that's how America was founded, right? It was founded by Puritans. So it's still in their DNA. Some call them ultra-Calvinists. Ultra-Calvinists. This ultra-Calvinist DNA is still in the American bloodstream. Mm-hmm. And they hate sex. And they say, no means no. And you need permission. And they have successfully sabotaged sex because they think it's sinful. And I mean, liberalism is the new religion. It's it's the proof of that it's a religion is the inability to debate anyone. They just want the heretics burned at the stake, and they don't want to talk about it after that. Oh yeah, they absolutely do. It's so strange too, and it's very ironic considering that I don't think any of these people, like progressives, would think of themselves as religious. But so much of it is just a secularized form of extreme, like Calvinist, like Puritanism. Well, they it's almost like sh- they have Sharia law. The, mm-hmm. the law, there's there's the police. If you get raped, please go to the cops. Dove and Terry would say that. If you think I raped you, please go to the cops. You know, don't ask for money. That's what a prostitute does. Mm-hmm. But they don't want to go by the law. They want to have their own law. So campuses have their own judicial system for rape. And this woman, Emma Sokowitz or whatever her name is, who's carrying a mattress around because she was anally raped. Oh, I heard about she that. She said she didn't want to go to the cops because she felt uncomfortable. Well, surely there's nothing more uncomfortable than being anally raped. So go to and get him off the streets if he's a rapist. But she didn't want to do that. She wanted to do performance art. In fact, she submit she's going to submit this mattress thing as her final thesis for her that, visual that art class. That counts as a thesis. What what's her major? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but she's going to have a PhD in getting anally raped. <sighs> and this woman is a stalwart. I mean, she's invited the. Uh, the senator invited her up for um, uh, a convention recently. She's got her bullhorn out. She's screaming at people. And she's ruined this guy's life. He just only came out recently saying, I didn't do any of this. We were having sex. Then it went up to the anal zone. And uh, and this was never brought before a court? Never went near. a. a she, w- she talked to one police officer, saw the paperwork, realized how much her life was going to be investigated. And she said, nah, and I'm just the, going to stick to this. Did the media publish this man's name? They they just published his name. I think it's 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 a German Jewish sounding name like Paul Nuremberger or something. Uh, he's only come out now. Uh, the Daily Beast did a big expose on it called "I Didn't Rape Her." Okay, so he came out. That's good. Finally, after all the charges have been dropped, like even their Sharia law courts mm-hmm. couldn't uh, indict this guy. Well, I'm happy to hear our media was at least responsible enough to not publish rape allegations against a man's name. Who wasn't formally charged. You're right. So you're the right. system is working a little bit. Right. But, but, uh, word got out who he was. He was ostracized by his friends. He was kicked out of his dorm, I believe. And I think mm-hmm. he had to leave the program he was in. He was in some sort of audiovisual thing and he was kicked out of that. 
So it did smear his life. But yeah, you're right. If we can find a silver lining to this, they didn't put his face all over town. I always try to look on the bright side whenever <laughs> possible. But sorry, to get back to this Gamergate thing, I, it's just amazing how many crusades get wings without anyone questioning the fundamentals of the movement mm-hmm. to begin with, you know? Um, yeah, like, um, you know, people follow trends. It's... Uh... I mean, I don't want to disparage Gamergate like, like because I the, very much the support suffragettes it. started mm-hmm. drop, but the suffragettes. Let's question that. Should women be able to vote? Yes, good, got it. Okay, go get the vote, guys. But with this thing, women are not being represented equally in video games. That's mm-hmm. like saying they're not represented equally in the NHL. That's because the demand isn't represented exactly. Equally the in the free market <laughs> has handled this. There's there's this implication that there's this big white pig man with a suit on and these puppet strings, you know, forcing these people to make these games and forcing the games on people. And these poor women are going, we want to buy games where we're Superman. Where are they? You won't give them to us. The free market will give you whatever you want. Yes, oftentimes to our peril. To our peril. Yeah, and it reminds me of a friend of mine, uh, an actress was was talking about the top superheroes of all time. And sh- she tweeted this out or something and said, it's really uh, depressing that in this day and age, we're looking at a list where only three are female. And you're like, why? Why should 50% of the top superheroes of all time be female? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. What's so great about being, it's such a male thing to be Superman and punch buildings down. It's always really strange because the activist is typically the solipsist. They they have their own vision of the world. They think of it how they think it should be rather than how it actually is. And they're always trying to impose their personal vision on society. Yes, but the, the onus is upon them to prove that their that their agenda has merit. And this idea that video games have to look exactly like a woman's brain 50% of the time is insane. I agree. So that's what this woman was going for. And would you say that that, that that movement started out, had wings, and then the gamers fought back and have now won? I wouldn't say they've won, but they've drawn blood. They're okay. winning, in my opinion. Um, and like, you know, the, the amount of money they cost these companies in ad revenue is surely alone worth something. And it raises the spirits of everybody who watches on the sidelines. It's like, wow, somebody can actually fight back against media bullies and, you know, be successful. And I think that's going to mean a lot for the future. It also instills fear in a lot of these media companies like Gawker. It's like, you can't abuse your customers like this. Yeah, I guess. But now you got me worried that we're uh, we're manipulating the freedom of the press and hamstringing them from doing stories. Freedom of the press. Um, what do you think about the pre- the role that they've come to play in our society? I would argue that they have an incredible amount of power that's completely unchecked. Yes, I would. I would say that they have, outside of Fox and talk radio, they have a liberal agenda, and they curb. Uh, themselves when they don't like the the stories because it doesn't fit the narrative. Like we just mm-hmm. had this guy uh, who shot two Muslims uh, in North Carolina. The press is avoiding it because the guy was a Rachel Maddow fan and he was an atheist and he loved MSNBC and it doesn't fit the narrative. If he was a boarding-in Christian, yes, they would have loved to make that the story of the day. Mm-hmm. And you see that time and time again where they avoid stories that fit the... Like, oh, yeah, and if they hadn't avoided the story, he wouldn't have been a Muslim. He would have been an Asian. 
Right, yeah, it would have been work. Remember there was that guy who beheaded his boss, this this uh, radicalized Muslim. I, I want to call him a born-again Muslim. And uh, they, uh, Melissa Harris-Perry, uh, I believe it was, someone on MS, someone at MSNBC called it workplace violence. Workplace violence. And then another guy on CNN said, uh, also black, said, uh, people behead for all sorts of reasons. That was his exact quote. Oh, it's just absurd. Like So um, that is a media totally out of control. But on the other hand... It scares me that we're extorting them, maybe because I've been a victim of this, uh, and forcing them not to do certain stories. Mm -hmm. Though the pendulum could afford to swing the other way, I guess. Well, the media, I mean, like, um, I, think, I, I think consumers have a right to revolt against a media that tells them that they're evil and need to be destroyed, that they're culture. Like, gaming culture means a lot to people. I was actually part of gaming culture when I was younger. Like, Can you um, make a video game from scratch? Um, yes, and I actually have. I made a whole bunch of them when I was a teenager, but they weren't, they weren't, you know, really awesome. Right. They were simple games, like I made my own Pac-Man, and I played <laughs> video games like probably four hours a day. I loved it as a child, and I identified as a gamer. It was a subculture that really meant a lot to me, and even though I don't play video games that much anymore, um, it really struck at something deep down inside when I saw the media vilifying this culture and saying that it needs to go. Well, I would like to vilify it right now, but not because it's sexist or homophobic or racist, because it's for fucking children. <laughs> and the fact that grown men, like I went with my son to this uh, era store, you know, the baseball hats, mm -hmm. and he, he's not even into Spider-Man that much anymore, but he was at the time. He's six now, but he was four at the time. Around six, you should be starting to get bored of Spider-Man. Not 60. But anyway, so he's looking at all the hats and there's, not just like Thor and Fantastic Four, but there's baby Thor. So his head is much bigger than his body and he's got chubby arms. He's like a toddler Thor. And there's toddler Fantastic Four, toddler thing, all these different guys. And none of them were in kid sizes. They were all adult sizes. And the kids section was way at the back and it only had about a dozen hats. And he goes, why aren't any of these superhero uh, hats in kid sizes? And I go, yeah, why aren't they? And we've got these fucking adolescent men, these grown-up babies, these wrinkled teenagers, playing a fucking video game for five hours with their Thor baseball hat, and then bitching because some gaming magazine is mad at them on a blog. Like, fucking go get a job. You know, as a proud millennial, I would have to disagree with you. How many hours a day does your generation spend watching TV, Mr. McKenzie? We spend an average, I believe, of five hours a day. It's quite, it's quite startling. It is. But that, that, I think, that number gets skewed up by people, you know, housewives who have it on in the background, mm -hmm. Fox News or, or, or well, you know, I would argue America Today or whatever. that video gaming is like a much more productive and, in my opinion, virtuous habit than watching TV. TV is just one way corporations filling your mind with ideas and sometimes artists and video games, it's a very interactive experience. You get to use your wit, your intellect. You get to socialize. It, it has all these things True. sort of wrapped into one. You're, you're right. I mean, when I think of, when I'm totally zoned out late at night and I'm watching Law & Order, I'm not even following the plot and I'll channel surf mm -hmm. uh, and I'll forget what show I was watching. Yeah, TV is a great way to turn your brain off. And sometimes that's what we want. Yeah, it's almost like staring at a fire. In, in fact, I, I'm off at a tangent now, but uh, David Cross went, went to, I'm friends with him, and he went yeah. to England for a, a few months. And this is back when we had VCRs. 
and he obviously has an incredible VHS collection, right? So I just raided it, and I got a big box of awesome old British comedies and, and weird shit I hadn't seen before and, and weird cult movies, all this awesome stuff that I love. And I, I put it next to the TV, and the entire time he was gone, I didn't take one of the tapes out because it was too much work to watch something good. I wanted to stare at the fire, so I just watched yeah, Law and Order true. and Garbage the whole time. It's like I didn't want the challenge of being stimulated by good shit. Yeah, I, I've experienced that same thing. It's quite unfortunate. Yeah, you know, you've got a good point that... that. But video games still allow you to turn the, your brain off in that same way, but you're still socializing. You're still having an interactive process. But I, I know like I sound like an old fuddy-duddy here, but is it really socializing? It just seems so inhuman i mean we don't talk anymore <laughs> it's such a cliche the kids today they're on the wigwams with the hoodoo hickeys <laughs> and they don't know how to fucking change a car tire well when i used to play video games when i wasn't trolling people um like we would we would have like a first person shooter blowing people's heads off and well when we weren't doing that we were saying hey you know how's the weather how about them mets you know, just having friendly conversations and meeting new people. And I made a lot of new friends throughout my childhood that way. Just people I met through video games. Oh, this hurts, but one I'm going to give you this. I'm one guy give you actually this. changed my life, too. Really? Like, um, one of the guys I talked to when I was playing this game, Nexius, which is a, a goofy Linux open source game, um, convinced me to go to a protest, which sort of got me into activism. Really? For better or for worse. Uh, well, that's a good segue into your sexual identity, which I will carefully approach. Uh, were were you trans at that point, or did that start? Was well, that just to correct you for a moment, trans to me is not a sexual identity. Okay. I mean, I'm pretty much a straight woman. Um, I'm attracted to men, and but um, as for like history. Like, um, I started transitioning back in 2006 when I was 21 years old. Okay. And I didn't get into activism until around 2009. Okay. All right. Uh, Which well, is strange because I got into it at a very late age. Yeah. Well, you'd think if you're going to change genders, that by its very nature is going to lead you to activism. It doesn't seem like the kind of thing that just goes on when you're, you know, going to Hooters with the guys. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of it started recently because one one really interesting thing is people these days perceive trans women as very political activist types. And that didn't used to be true until around 2009. Well, that's because the numbers Back when it, you'd have a sex change in the 60s and 70s yeah. or whatever, it was so intense that, uh, and the, the 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 evolution was so rigorous. I mean, you had to become a woman after that. You had to wear brown nylons every day. Mm -hmm. uh, you couldn't even tell anyone. I mean, they wouldn't tell their husbands. There was that woman in the, in the documentary, The Regretters, uh, who was married for 20 years before her husband found out. Well, I actually, aside from the part about telling husbands, that, that should always be disclosed. Yeah. Not doing so is evil. Well, it's kind of I, rape. I think, oh, well, I don't know if I'd go that far. It's not good, whatever it is. But um, I actually like the old model better that they had in the 50s with the standards of care where they tried to keep it a secret, where they didn't advertise it to society. It wasn't this identity. It was just, it was just an illness that you fixed. Right. 
Well, it's still classified as a mental illness, is it not? Gender dysphoria? Um, I believe that according to diagnostic criteria, it is, yes. Okay. Unlike homosexuality, which used to be, but they took it out at some point. Right. But a lot of activists these days have sort of turned that trans, which is, which is a terrible disorder, they've turned it into an identity. And in many ways, I think it hurts trans people. Well, we said this, I said this to you via email when we first met, and you said you actually don't like the normalization of, of gender issues because you're going to have some poor sap stumble into this permanent genital mutilation mm-hmm. uh, who wouldn't normally have gone there. Yeah, it actually happens all the time. Like the, the As- operation should be available at the top of a mountain. Uh, on a snowy, blizzardy day that takes three days to get to. Mm-hmm. Let's do that. Let's start with that. But now we're giving kids hormone blockers so they won't go through puberty. And and when that kid, that 18-year-old killed himself because his parents wouldn't give him a sex change, we've got Dan Savage saying the parents should be prosecuted for murder. But the suicide rate for people who do get the operation is 20 times higher. Yeah. So we're ac- encouraging an act that often leads to suicide. Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't pin tra- this, a lot of this stuff on trans people. It's a problem with the concept of queerness in general. Right. Good point. Um, from my time in activism, there were so many people who, you know, feigned being trans yeah. or were just um, sort of like um, queer people who are trying to co-opt, like um, trans is a victimized group, you know, to get attention or something like yes, that. Yes, thank you for saying and that. There were just so many of them that I honestly wonder, it's like, do you really have like this medical problem that was defined, you know, many years ago? Or are you just doing it to fit in? Are you just doing it because your life sucks and, you know, you're looking for some cause, some external reason? Those are the most vocal ones. Like when I got in shit, there was you and Bailey J and people who would be like this if it wasn't cool. And uh, they came to my defense, but it was the nuts, the college kids, the queers who are only doing it because they want an identity mm-hmm. and they think it's cool and weird. And I, when, I, when I was a kid, it was, uh, you'd go back to visit your great grandparents' grave in Ireland and then you come back and you're Mr. Irish guy and you had the Blarney Stone thing and the fucking Irish flag and you were Mr. Ireland now and you'd learn Gaelic and shit because Middle-class whites hate how boring they are. <laughs> they hate their own culture. They don't even call it a culture. In fact, my mother-in-law's American Indian, and she said that verbatim. She goes, what culture? Um, and so they want an identity. And you can't go in blackface. It's too easy just to take a sponge and wipe off the paint. But when you say, I'm a male trapped in a woman's body who's also a lesbian, and you end up back at you, we can't you know, follow, there's no paper trail. <laughs> so we just have to go, okay, and then you're special. And I think I really pissed off those people when I said, no, you're not, you're just a middle-class kid. At best, you're a lug, lesbian until graduation, but you'll settle down and be normal in 10 years. Yeah, identity politics is really taking our society by storm. And like with trans people, um, a point I was mentioning earlier was a lot of this political politicization um, have trouble pronouncing that. Politicization? Politicization didn't start until around 2009 when this book, uh, Whipping Girl, was published. Oh. And Whipping Girl, Whipping Girl was basically the book that introduced into the popular consciousness, especially in the trans community, um, the intersection of like feminist politics and with being trans. 
And it, that book um, really managed to just turn everybody in the trans community into an activist, including myself. Really? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's when you started? Oh, that's when you got into it. That's when you became an activist. So oh, that, yeah. You're admitting that book got you going. Well, it was one of the things that got me going. It was huh. one, because like um, a lot of people get indoctrinated in like uh, the, these hardcore forms of progressive politics in college. Yeah, I didn't tell go. Me about it. I didn't go to one of those universities. Like I, I was much more conservative as a teenager. Uh huh. And um, I knew that the whole university system was kind of a sham, and I didn't want to like go into debt so I could be brainwashed by professors. Thank you. Yes. So it, and but I think it those people deserve everything they get. If you're dumb enough to spend sixty grand learning words like intersectionality that don't exist in the real world. Oh yeah, or microaggressions. Microaggressions or. <laughs> ableism, cisgenderism, and all these terms, like lawyers learn stupid terms, but they use that language in the real world. You go to court mm-hmm. and all those terms are still there. Intersectionality doesn't exist. It's just a buzzword that people use to justify whatever goofy Go outside now, have. stand on a street corner and interview everyone you see in New York City every day. You will not find one person that knows what that fucking word means. Because normal people aren't into this stuff. What does it mean actually? What does intersectionality mean? Oh gosh, it's really it's really complicated. Like, is it the Venn diagram of where men meet women or something? It, it's sort of an argument that all the struggles between um, like blacks and you know trans people and lesbians oh. and queers they're all intertwined. Oh, it sounds like someone's co-opting the fucking civil rights movement again. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and they they use it um, to give them you know proper representation here they use it in order to promote solidarity and that's in theory right because they think trans people are oppressed so therefore they should be helping other oppressed groups like they should be going to harlem and helping black people who are also oppressed right and the the people in harlem don't fucking want them there i'm reminded of a a trayvon demonstration where some guy's on a bullhorn and he's saying we are sick of this white male oppression yeah we are sick of them oppressing us in every way, shape, and form. Ah, we are sick of them oppressing gay and lesbian. And then some black woman grabs the bullhorn and she's like, this ain't about no gay shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, that's it's Not everyone wants to be invited to your party. That's true. And, but yeah, it's basically just become a buzzword. Like, I don't think it's about solidarity. Like a lot of these topics that progressives talk about, they are usually, in my opinion, the opposite of what they say. Yeah, well, they end up always hurting the people they purport to help. Mm-hmm. There's a, a book by Jason Riley called Please Stop Helping Us, How Liberals Make It Harder for Blacks to Succeed. Oh, I heard about that. It's when you go in and meddle, you fuck shit up. Let the free market handle it. You well, know? And, and another thing I would add is, like, as a trans woman, like, I am really deeply disturbed by the way that these people are representing me as a person. Now, I don't identify as part of the trans community, but when these people are running around saying, hey, I'm trans, blah, 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 and they act aggressive and angry and childish, that that's going to reflect poorly on me. Right. Because people know that I'm well, trans. Well, that's what happens when you, you, when you have gender blackface, and that's what this, this is the majority of the time. Mm-hmm. It's taking on someone else's persona and saying, that's me, and then you're, you're hurting the brand, basically. And when I say you, I mean these posers. But there is no these brand. These college posers. Yeah, that's a good point. It's it's just it's just a horrible thing that happened to me. Like I, I look at being trans sort of like 
getting cancer. It sucks. <laughs> you know, it's terrible. It's it's absolutely terrible. Well, the, but I'm the, dealing the with data it the best shows way I can. That it's that's what I said in my article. I was like, where's the nice old trans lady? T tending to her garden. The data shows that it's a pretty rough, you know, career path. Mm -hmm. And it, it's got a brutal suicide rate and it's got, it's it's always tied to uh, other mental disorders like depression. Well, you know, I feel like I'm doing pretty well for myself. I've got a nice six-figure job. I build core internet infrastructure. And I like to think of myself as, for the most part, a normal, decent citizen. Yes. Well, you seem like one to me. Um, I wanted to ask you, uh, with this video game stuff, I have a theory that when your entire social life is in a video game, when you're talking to people there and it, it becomes, your second life becomes on par with your real life, and then when you're taking on different characters, like say you're playing Street Fighter, I don't play video games, so I have to go back to the <laughs> 90s uh, or maybe 80s, and you say you're always that chick the Chinese chick with the puffy shoulders. Mm -hmm. After a while, you get used to being a chick. And then you're playing Tomb Raider. And by the way, the chicks they make, like that chick kicks the shit out of monsters in Street Fighter. Or in Tomb Raider, she's got fucking guns and she's doing triple backflips and shooting a monster in the head, I assume. I've never played it. I don't know. This seems like a, I, I haven't heard this hypothesis before. But... I'm not done it. I'm not done it. Hold on, hold on. Okay. Um, so they start seeing the Tomb Raider chick and she's basically a dude with huge tits. And then they're like, I'm kind of a chick. And then the next thing you know, they are identifying as chicks in real life. And I'm, I just, there just seems so, to be so many of these trans people that are in video game world or in nerd world, like the Matrix dude chick mm -hmm. who became a woman. Is it possible that video games sort of sucked you into this? Um, no, not at all. Okay. Like, I think video games provide a great outlet for people who are trans and oh, okay. haven't transitioned because they can sort of, like, you know, play out themselves in different roles. But with me, like, if you want to hear my personal theory. Yes, please. It's because um, when I was when I was young, like, my, my mother had me when she was 16. My father completely abandoned, well, the man who impregnated her completely abandoned me. And At what age? It, it, as soon as I was born. Huh. Like, um, he showed up maybe two times in my life. That's how many times I saw him. And I was raised and socialized by my mother and my grandmother. They were the people I lived with. There were no men. And my best friend was also female, and she had her mother and not a father. So it's, it's like my life was... a lot of estrogen floating around. Yeah, like my life from age one to six was completely dominated by women and female socialization. I had like, I had like Barbie dolls and all this stuff, and that's just, you know, how I was programmed. So what if you had my dad around slapping you upside the head <laughs> when you said something dumb? Or when we would play pool in the house... I don't like to smash the ball in because I, I want to make sure it goes in. So sometimes the, the, the white would hit the black and the black wouldn't even make it in. And my dad would always yell, Lorraine, you got a girl, your dreams, because she wanted a girl, your dreams have come true, you got a wee girl. And there was that kind of machismo always in the house. It was obviously balanced by a nurturing mother. But maybe if you had that kind of a male figure in your life, you wouldn't have been estrogenized. It's entirely possible. Huh. There are... But that's like the socialization side. There's also there's also biological um, theories that scientists have come up with and tested, where uh, I think the most popular one right now is that being trans is caused by some sort of hormonal issue when the baby is in utero, 
where it doesn't get androgens at the right time, like the male hormones or something like that. But there's biological theories too. But do you do you know of the site sexchangeregret.com? I haven't seen it. That that guy claims that there's no innate biological traits and more to, he calls it a comorbid disorder where what usually happens is it's depression tied with this this um, confusion and then they get the sex change thinking it's going to solve this but if they just treated the depression they wouldn't have had to cut their dick mm-hmm. off well another thing i would add is that is it really necessary to have a biological or a social justification i just like living you know, as a woman. Yeah. Well, that's one thing. I would never legislate anything. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm an anarchist, basically. <laughs> but I just don't like it encouraged with children where we have these... I mean, oh, the, it's certainly that boy who committed suicide, uh, he doesn't represent the numbers. The numbers are more common after the operation. And that family couldn't have a fucking funeral because they were getting death threats and they were going to protest it. That's the culture we live in now. And, uh, you know, you go back to Mrs. Doubtfire... Mm-hmm. 10 years ago, whenever that was, 1990 maybe, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. And everyone would see Rob Williams and go, ha, 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 that's hilarious. It was a totally different role. Yeah, and it was a funny, that's been funny. I mean, my dad will still, well, my mom has hen night. That's what the Scots call a girl's night. My dad will come down and drag, and he's a very ugly man. <laughs> uh, and the moms are dying. Like, mascara is pouring down their face. They're laughing so hard. <laughs> that's been the trope for Forever. I mean, World mm-hmm. War One, when the men were bored, they'd have a play and they'd put a mop on their head and go, or even, I'm a lady. And or even back in Shakespeare's days. Shakespeare, when, yeah. Yeah, like in the plays, um, female roles were always played by men. Right. And I mean, that wasn't always humorous. That was meant to be convincing most of the time. But mm-hmm. it was also a major comedy trope. I mean, some like it hot, go back. Then all of a sudden, like within the past few years, you have to take it totally seriously. And you have to look at Jeffrey Tambor who is much more ridiculous looking than Robin Williams, and not laugh. And not laugh. Who, who is Jeffrey Tambor? He is in that Netflix show Transparent, where he plays a, a man who's transitioning. Oh. And he looks ridiculous, obviously. You know, the, gosh, like movie and television show portrayals of trans people always freak me out. I just find them really strange. Well, Janet like, Mock and... Uh, uh, who's the other one? Janet Mock and the chick from Orange is the New Black. Those two have become the new Martin Luther Kings of the equality, all equality movements. And to blaspheme them is to get thrown on a funeral pyre. And that's just the culture changing. What Act- do you think activists. of them? I, I liked it when trans people was something that nobody thought about. It was just something that happened between you and your doctor, and it's it was a problem that got solved, and then it was over. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to deny that there are some people out there who would be better off turning their penis inside out, but the number, the way people are talking now, it sounds like every second person is is in this ambiguous gender spectrum. Because it's being broadcasted across our entire culture. It's the in thing. It's like, yeah, which is really quite unfortunate. And um, I'm I've... sorry, this studio is haunted by metallic snakes. Oh, no. I should have told you that. Are they going to bite us? No, they're totally harmless. If you see one, it'll just pass through you. Uh, it doesn't even know it's, a de- through it's me. dead. Yeah, it's pretty spooky. <laughs> that is quite terrifying. But you get used to it. It's like a ghost baby. It doesn't mm-hmm. do anything. It just sits there. So we were talking about a moment ago. Sorry, sorry. Um, 
you were saying you preferred it when it was uh, on the outskirts of society. Yeah, I, well, not so much on the outskirts. I preferred it when it was something nobody talked about. Right. Because that that's typically the best, you know, historical way for dealing with anything out of the ordinary. You just don't talk about it. Like homosexuality or transsexuality, it's always existed in Western culture. It's just that people didn't pay attention to it. Yes, that r- reminds me of something I wanted to discuss and make clear. Speaking of biology, you would have to be a fucking retard to think that gays are not born gay. And some people I totally respect believe that. And I'm sure there are instances of some chick got raped by her uncle for 10 years and she just penises make her barf now. I get that. Uh, That's a fraction of a percent. The majority are born gay. We see this with other animals. We see gays in in the mammal community all the time. And I, I think of like my gay neighbors upstate and they've been together for 15 years. And the idea that we have to pry them apart and make them make out with chicks and eat, not puke when they see a vagina is just so bizarre to me. And I think it's very dangerous um, too. Yeah. Um, to go back to something I mentioned earlier, ancient Greece. These are people who are, you know, the ancestors of West- Western civilization. Right. When homosexuality and pedophilia were culturally acceptable, mm-hmm. it became widespread. Right. So there's a danger when we promote things that are, you know, very, very out of the ordinary, you know. Well, 12-year-old boys get raped. And just broadcast them to the world and say, this is okay. Right. This isn't a medical disorder. You can do this if you feel like it without any standards whatsoever. Right. It could become very widespread, and well, I think that's starting to happen, especially yeah. with activists. If it involves fucking children, I don't want it encouraged. If it involves genital mutilation, mm-hmm. I would like people to be wary. But as far as homosexuality goes, I don't see anyone sucking on dicks that doesn't want to. I mean, uh, uh, Margaret Cho... But a lot more people want to or consider it than... People Fine. used to. You could put like, I here's me sucking one cock. Okay, you ready? Mm-hmm. Oh God. <laughs> okay, here we go. Here we go. Okay. Oh, oh, oh. I'm, I'm super sorry. Just give me a second. How about about? Okay. Can I not cup the balls? Okay. Okay. Here we I go. don't think here you'd make a very good gay man. Oh. oh, 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 oh. <laughs> now here is my 999th cock in a row. Oh, okay, here we go. 99, 999. Okay. Oh, 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 be the same. You might go like, uh, uh, this is gross. Well, then it comes down to a nature versus uh, nurture argument. Right. I'm a huge naturist. Huge mm-hmm. naturist. Uh, and that brings us to, to sex change surgery. Say you do believe that you're a woman, right? I'm not talking about you, one. I don't get why the cock has to come off. Just put it in the butt. It's not like it's... And I don't know what your genital situation is, but I've heard not great things about the man-made vagina. Mm-hmm. I've heard that it feels like frozen gummy bears in there. I'm heard, I've heard that it's not elastic. So if you're like 1% bigger than the hole, it's like getting fucked in the ear. There's a lot of problems with it. But, but those are actually going to get better in probably about 10 years with really? medical technology. What's the matter with the butt? Uh, 
<laughs> I, 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 is that a question that really needs to be answered? Well, yeah. I mean, gays do okay with it. But I agree with you. Like, you don't have to get bottom surgery. You don't have to do the whole inversion thing. Yeah. Uh, now, because I will gender... say, I lived below a geriatric gay, and his ass just gave out. Uh, the muscles died, and mm -hmm. he was just shit was everywhere. So it's not great to do for decades. But yeah, like one thing, one thing they've always said, at least they used to say, like back when trans was a medical thing, is that it's not about sex. It's not about the genitals. It's about oh. how you exist in society, how people perceive you, how you express yourself. Well, we don't socialize. have to know you have got a little penis tucked down there. It's like you, you don't look at, you know, underneath my pants, like when you judge whether or not I would uh, love to, to use. But no. <laughs> well, like when you look at me, and your brain sort of instinctively decides this person is male or female, so you can use the right pronouns. You don't think about what my chromosomes are. You don't think about what is between my legs because those things really don't matter for 99% of our lives. Uh, I get your point, but n this might be anecdotal evidence, but I'm completely consumed with what goes on between your legs <laughs> and would... I'm dying to know if you have a penis or a vagina, but I understand I've already asked that before and you... It's a, it's it's a it's one of my few things that I have not revealed to the public. And right. I'm sorry, but I'm not going to change okay. that. Okay, I understand. I did talk to a trans guy that uh, I got on my podcast, a trans woman, and I said, "Do you have a vagina?" And he goes, "Yes." And I go, "Can I see it?" And he goes, "Certainly. I'm not ashamed of myself. I'm not. I don't have a problem." He's a Puerto Rican kind of accent. Mm -hmm. And as he stood up and he lifted up his dress, um, I could see balls hanging on either side of his tiny panties. And I thought, uh-oh, here we go. Pulls down his panties. Not only does he have a cock, but it looks exactly like mine. Same foreskin, same tone, same size. I was looking in a cock mirror. Mm -hmm. and, thought, and they said just before that they had a vagina? She said she has a vagina. Vaginas come in all shapes and sizes. And I disagreed with her on that. I said, okay. I, the labia that, have some range, but they're all pretty much the same. That is what's called delusion. Oh, okay. You, you call that delusion. Yes, like that, I mean, you, you call a spade a spade. Yeah, well, we're at the point now where you say, like if I said to a doctor, uh, gender dysphasia is a mental disorder and you cannot change your sex, the doctor would go, yeah, what, what do we, yes, and? But to say those simple medical things to the mm -hmm. public now is, is like saying, Jays, gays should be killed and blacks should go back to Africa. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a very incendiary thing to say. Well, a lot of people think that what they believe personally about themselves, their precious identity, trumps everything else. I tend to go more on how people perceive me. If people, if everybody around me perceives me as a woman, then I'm a woman. Um, but this doesn't apply to things like calling a penis a vagina. It's completely absurd. And, and so this is a little bit off topic, but speaking of cutting off cocks, when you make a dick, and this is what I said in my article, you thought the vagina was bad. The penis is pathetic. It is a dead elephant's trunk where they burn a head shape with a cesarean oh, scar. Oh, is that what they do for female to males? Yes. Okay. It's revolting. It can't get erect. You have to use a pump or get one that's just permanently erect. It's a hideous deformity. Meanwhile, the technology with strap-ons, they're breathtaking. I'm, I mean, I can see the appeal of a cock when I see a strap on. I'm like, whoa, those nice veins. You got a nice fake cock going on. Now, a lot of getting a BJ is cerebral. 
Mm-hmm. You're looking down. She's sucking that cock. Fuck, she loves my cock, that little dirty bitch. Um, you can get that with the strap on. There's just not as much nerve endings. And I'm, I bet the nerve endings you get on your fake dick uh, are nothing to write home about. So why do that? Yeah, the technology for female to male transsexuals is really bad. It's really bad. It's a hard thing to make. I mean, you look at burn victims. We can't even make a fucking face. And also, have you heard of Buck Angel? Yes. Buck Angel, famous female to male porn star, kept the vagina, but he is just a total dude, like masculine, like muscular. Yes. Smokes a cigar. I've seen pictures he's, of him. He's a guy, but he he kept, you know, that part down there, and he's not ashamed of it. And I think that's a good attitude. Yeah, Bailey J and him fuck sometimes. Because he's, he's not being fake in any way. It's like, I think he, he's a guy. Anyone who looks at him, yeah, he's a but guy. I'm still a little dubious of that guy. Like, even the most masculine of the I'm a man community, I have a feeling they couldn't change a carburetor. <laughs> or like, I, I would well, like to take one to, to my Buck. lawn and say, hey, man, hey, Buck, there's a bald patch here in my lawn. What are my options? Mm-hmm. Now, a man, a real man, would say, that bald patch is because you spilled fertilizer. That whole piece of soil has to go. You can't use those, those patches that Scott's uh, pulp seed. You've, that's scorched earth. We're going to have to dig that out, replace it with topsoil, and then we'll seed it with some Scots. They have a saying in Thailand that the prettiest girls were always born men because they try the hardest. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's another thing that confuses me. And I've noticed that you just have normal sneakers on. Mm-hmm. If there was this compulsion to go to the other side, wouldn't you be one of the more womanly women? Like just love the high heel shoes and the fishnet stockings and everything? Look, I'll be honest with you. I'm a nerd. Like I write software for a living. Um, and so, that is how female nerds dress. So I'm not I'm not like a glamorous like, yeah, exactly. I just want to be a normal, slightly geeky girl. That makes sense. And that's, you know, it's what I am. So I just try to be honest with my appearance. Sold. Because that's what being trans has always been about for me. Just being honest and representing myself the way I actually feel inside rather than trying to be something I'm not. And as ironic as that sounds, it's completely true. Well, I obviously have no problem with you or anything you've done. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have had your penis cut off, I think that's regrettable. Uh, but I obviously wouldn't want to legislate against it. And what I think is most important about our relationship is that we're willing to discuss things and figure them out. And I know I leave this discussion more enriched, and uh, I hope you do too. Oh, it's been a wonderful discussion. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming by. Thank you for having me. And now we like to end it with... Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-